Hey, so uh, tomorrow, if you're interested, uh, uh, we have Dawn Patrol. We, we're going surfing tomorrow, Dawn Patrol. Don't really know if there's waves or not, but we're going. And uh, we have great fellowship. Get to see an awesome sunrise. Uh, and uh, you should meet at the boat ramp about, uh, Pat, Rob, you, you shoulder ready. You want, you want to try to surf, bro? I heard Terry was going to paddle out and, and, and meet us out there maybe. But uh, anyway, oh, dude, you can't Dawn Patrol in Baltimore. But uh, that should be a country song. <laughs> you can't Dawn Patrol in Baltimore. But anyways, uh, we're going Dawn Patrol, going surfing. If you have a desire, interest, whatever, yell at me and let's see where that goes. Uh, and so we're going to be out there in the morning, getting to see God's glory, sunrise. Gary, you're going to be there, right? Do you need me to call you and be the rooster? No. All right, good. We're there. Uh, Tuesday. All right, good. Tuesday, we're going to go paddleboarding. And um, if you have paddleboard, awesome, man. Bring the paddleboard. If not, you want to go, yell at me. And, um, and it's first come, first serve. I've got six extra ones. And we can all go out paddleboarding on Tuesday. And, and, and again, we get to see God's glory out there. There's so many cool things. Now that Pittsburgh Rob can actually go paddleboarding, we're going cheese balling. It's, it's, the name has changed. And you don't know how long we're going to be out there, but we're just going to go until God tells us to come back, right? And uh, Wednesday, I'm thinking Wednesday or Thursday, if you guys are interested, if for again, first come, first serve, I've got some extra gear, and a lot of you guys have gear, but I'm thinking about going to Blue Heron Bridge and go diving. There's uh, going to be a high tide in the morning on Wednesday or Thursday, so let me know. And as we go out and we see all those things, we're not only having fellowship together, doing, doing life together, uh, but we're helping each other see life from God's perspective, and, and we're seeing a lot of God's handiwork in things. Um, and almost everything out there screams community. Almost everything out there screams that you're not supposed to do this alone. How many of y'all know you're not supposed to do life alone? How many of y'all have tried to do life alone? It's hard to do life alone. You've got to be in a community where we're helping each other see life from God's perspective. For example, out there, the black mangroves. When uh, There's three kinds of mangroves out there. Um, <coughs> the black mangrove, it can tolerate salt. And what it does is it sucks the salt up into, in through the branches. And then what happens is whatever it needs as far as salt to keep itself pure, it uses that. But what it doesn't need, it expels where? Come on, for those of you who've been with me. It expels on the leaves. In fact, you go out with me, you'll probably grab a branch and start sucking on the leaves because they're salty and you're thirsty and it's good. And, and, but let me ask you a question. What would happen to you if you, uh, Dustin, what would happen to you if you just started drinking salt water? Yeah, dude, you'd dehydrate and you would die because most mammals, birds, and insects can't tolerate salt in a liquid form. So God in his infinite wisdom and making everybody need each other, what he did is he's using this black mangrove now to uh, provide salt for all the critters that are out there that can't tolerate it in a, in a, in a, in a liquid form. Um, how many of y'all uh, ever been had experience with a man of war? Uh, you know, the real pretty man of wars, purple and blue, all of those guys. Have you ever been stung by one? Dude, that is a memorable thing, isn't it? It's like taking a hot a wire and heating it up to the point of red and throwing it on yourself. It, it's not like a jellyfish. It's a jellyfish on steroids. And how many of you all know that it's not one organism? That man of war that you see washed up on the beach, the blue sail is actually one part of the or it's one organism. The man of war is made up of four different organisms. So it's got the sail. It's also got the tentacles that reach for miles, not miles, but 100 yards, long, 
a lot further than what you see on the beach. And, and that's another organism. There's another organism to digest the food, and there's another organism for reproduction. It's, God puts four of these organisms together. It's called a colonial organism. And if you're interested in any of these, just look up colonial organisms, and you'll, you'll find there's hundreds of them all around you, thousands of how God puts things together. But as I was preparing this message, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about something that I guarantee you, I, I shouldn't guarantee this because I don't have my Disney remote controller, but I'm almost positive we're going to see if we go out paddleboarding on Tuesday. Um, you're going to see a shell that's inside the shell. There's going to be a hermit crab. And if it's really old shell, if it's been around a while, what's inside that shell, Rob? There's a crab that's in there, but, it, it, but it's almost like Horton hears a who in it. And inside there, there's that crab, but you'll see literally tons of other little white shells in there. They're called slipper shells. And the way a slipper shell is designed, it's only got one side. So what would happen if a slipper shell never attached itself to another shell? It would be eaten. It would, be, it would die. God, who in the world would create a shell that only has one side? Well, God did, and the slipper shell constantly reminds me of our Christian fellowship in church, how we have to attach ourselves to each other. We have to attach ourselves to God, and, and, and we attach ourselves to each other through God in the form of a church. And I'm not just talking about this body of believers. I'm talking about the universal church where the tenet is that the word of God is our final authority and Christ is our only way to salvation. You believe that, Paul says, we can have fellowship. And all the other issues are irrelevant. They're, they're there, and you find what flavor you want. But the bottom line is you're trusting Christ for your salvation. We can have fellowship with each other. And so that slipper shell, when you find a really, really old shell, you'll find literally the whole thing will have a white shell. And then on top of that white shell, another one. And they keep attaching themselves on top of everything. I would have brought one in, but as soon as you take one out of the water and it starts dying, guess what happens? All those shells I wanted to show you start falling off because they're living organisms. It's a Horton, here's a who. It's a community. And if that shell never, that slipper shell never attached itself to another shell, it would never survive. And that's how God's designed us. Now, God put an interesting thought in my head the other day. And it's a phrase that I've been thinking about and I want to share with you this morning. And I, I didn't really even understand truly what he was talking about in this. Because, Tom, remember Monday we paddled out. I told you, oh, yeah, this Sunday I can't wait to preach on. It's never too early to, or never too late to, or too early to quit about quitting and everything. Well, God took it a whole different direction. And so Acts 18, verses 1 through 11, God put this title to it. Isolation is the enemy's army. Isolation. I started thinking about that. Like, what are you talking about, God? And, and I'm driving on the highway. Uh, how many of y'all get bored driving on the highway? Dude, I've, we had like uh, 360 miles yesterday. And obviously, you don't need to pay attention to the driving because that's just autopilot, right? You know? And who needs Telsa, man? But man, I'm just sitting here. He kept ringing this saying in my head for the last few days. But especially yesterday as I'm driving, isolation is the enemy's army. And I kept wondering what he's talking about. I had to take it kind of backward. What is an army? <clears throat> well, an army is, is to defeat an enemy and, and, and then recruit new people into that army, okay? Oh, it's there to protect also, it's, but it's to protect its kingdom that it's supporting. And so when I started thinking about the enemy's army when God saw me, I'm, I'm thinking about the enemies we have. 
As a believer, we have three enemies we talk about a lot. Most of the time when we say the enemy, we think of who? Who do you think? We think of Satan. And Satan gets the blame for everything in here. And I I really believe that one day we will see, maybe on God flicks when we're in heaven, that Satan is is up there and and he's been going like, oh, look, they're blaming me and I didn't even do anything. They're blaming because we have other enemies. We have Satan as one of our enemies, and he is the master deceiver. He's there. I'm giving, I don't want to give any glory, any more, any more airtime or whatever. But we have a couple of others. And, and one of the biggest enemies we have is our flesh. How many, of y'all, how many of y'all have a flesh that wars against, that wants to do things contrary to what God wants you to do? Yeah. And we got saved. We became a new creation in Christ to become an ambassador. All things are passed away. But how many of you? And so people want to say, well, we lost our flesh. We don't have to. We don't fight the flesh anymore. I don't have a flesh nature. How many of you have gone a whole entire day without fighting the flesh? (coughs) No. Paul said, man, it's a battle I'm going through all the time. I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do. I mean, does that sound like your life ever? Yeah. And so, again, the more we, whichever nature we feed, that's the one we're going to be like. So we feed the spiritual nature, then we become more like that. If we, st- whichever one grows, as the spiritual nature grows, the flesh shrinks. But as we feed the flesh by doing nothing, then the spiritual nature shrinks. And we never lose either one of them until we get to heaven. And so the flesh is definitely an enemy. Another enemy, we have this world system. The world system is constantly lying to us, saying, if you want to succeed, this is the way you succeed. You want to, you want to, uh, you want to do this right, this is the way you do it right. And how many of you all know that the world system is not God's system? It is totally opposite of God's system. So we have our flesh, we have the world system, and we have Satan, who is a formidable enemy. But the fact is, how do you get defeated by the enemy and then recruited into his army? How do you get recruited into your flesh's army or the world system army or Satan's army? Because Jesus did say, he said, if you're not for me, you're what? So you could be doing good, charitable deeds out there and everybody's saying, oh, what an awesome person. Look at this. What a model citizen for our society. But if you are not for him, you are what? So if you're not doing it for him, you're doing it what? It's all about motivation. It's all about why you're doing it, who you're doing it for. And the only thing that really counts is what we're doing out of the motivation of love for him. We can never pay him back for what he's given us. But the fact is, is that what, when, what is success is, is at any given point in time, you doing what God is calling you to do right now because you love him. That's what success is. Anything other than that, you're giving into your flesh, you're giving into the world system, or you're giving into Satan, one of those. And we become part of the enemy's army. First, we have to be defeated by the enemy. And then second of all, after we're defeated by the enemy, we become part of the enemy. Because if you're not for him, you're what? And what is our one job? If if you're in a battle, okay, Zane, you're in a battle with, you know, uh, a real war, a military war. You've got machine guns, you've got whatever. You're, you know, uh, 300 blackout pistols, man. It's a close quarter battle, man. Here we are. You know, you're, you're not, what is your one goal? Get out alive. Yeah, get, okay, get out alive, but your, your goal, yeah, okay, so, so, so as a soldier, your goal should just run. No. No. No, you've got a mission. 
You've got a mission, and the, and the one goal as a soldier is to accomplish that mission. Now, how many of y'all want to be on Zane's army knowing that's his goal? <laughs> you, you want him in your platoon, you know, as your leader, just run! Get out alive! It ain't about the mission! Dude, I hope God speaks to you today, brother. <laughs> but listen, man, we have a mission, and anything short of that mission is not success. And that's what Zane was kind of talking about before. We've recreated what our mission is in church. And we've now made love boats and cruise ships and all these things, worrying about the thermostat and the color of the car, all these different, making sure you're comfortable when what he's called us to do is have a rescue boat. How much does it cost to have a rowboat and a couple of oars and row offshore and rescue people that are drowning? How much does that cost? How, well, what, what does it cost? You know what it costs? It costs you knowing that's what your one mission is and you being called to that mission and you going out and doing that mission. But what happens is when we get separated, when we get isolated from that mission of what God's called us to do, we actually be, be participants. We're soldiers in the enemy's army, whether that enemy is your flesh wanting to please you or that it, and it's all about you or that or, or this world system wanting to do nothing but succeed in this world system when this is not what this is not my home do you know how many people are going to care if you've succeeded in this world system when you die if they, are, are people going to welcome you into heaven saying awesome job on that business man way to make it grow no the only way they're going to find success in that is if you have helped the kingdom grow your job is to make disciples. Now, if you have had this business and you have now made it succeed and, key, and the kingdom has grown, there are disciples being made. You have helped people see light from God's perspective. Then, man, there, there's, I, I think there's joy about that. But nobody's going to care how much you boosted the bottom line or how much you lost on all of that. We have one mission and our mission. What did he give us in the Great Commission as our one mission? He said, go where? Into the world, as you're going, he said, go make what? Disciples. disciples. That's your one job. Go make disciples. So there's your men. So, so I asked Zane, hey, man, you got, you're, you're in there. You've got the mission. You've got, you got the mission, and, and it's to make disciples. Okay? But Zane's like, no, it's to get out alive. How many disciples are you going to make if you want to get out alive? <laughs> Every, all those that live righteously will be persecuted. I'm not saying it's a horrible thing. I'm just saying there's a different value system here. And I'm going to get to this, and you're going to see why we need each other. But here's what happens, man. Here's how we get recruited into the enemy's army, is, is, is that all of a sudden we lose sight of our mission. And now maybe our mission is to just get out alive. The mission is now for me to be happy. Dadgummit, I've worked my whole life. I'm retired. Now I need to be happy. I've done all of this. I've raised this. I've done that. It's my time. Dude. If you gave your life to Christ, who does your life belong to? Him. And if you will love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with everything you've got, he causes you to love who? Others. And if you love others, Fernando, when you love others, how's that, what's that, does that do anything for you? Does it benefit you? Yeah. Man, when you truly are loving others, isn't that a great feeling? Rather than trying to get everybody just to love you? <laughs> That's a way better way of life. That's what he said. Seek first, seek only, seek always the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek. What does it mean to seek something? Yeah. 
If, if I were to take Karen's glasses and we were to start passing them around, you need these, right? Yeah, so we start throwing them around and passing them, and I ask her to read. What does she have to do before she can read? Or before she can go home, she's got to seek these glasses. And I'm like, good luck. Go seek them out. Somebody in here has them. Yeah, somebody else has them here. So if she's seeking her glasses, what's her one-track mind on, Vicky? Glasses, nothing else. She's not worried about where we're going to lunch. She's not worried about how she's going to bake cookies for dogs tomorrow. She's not worried about anything but what? Her glasses. So when he says seek first, seek only, seek always, what are we supposed to seek? The kingdom, his kingdom and his righteousness. So by saying, king, what do you want me to do? And then, and then righteousness is doing what the king wants. No matter what your occupation is, no matter what your business is, no matter where he puts you as the master of the lampstand, we're seeking, and that is our one-track mind realizing that whatever occupation you're in, wherever neighborhood you live, wherever you are at, the master of the lampstand has put you there to seek what he wants you to do and then do it. That we're in a battle. We are in a war. It is righteousness against unrighteousness. And again, the devil does not care if you worship him. The devil just doesn't want you worshiping who? So Jesus said, if you're, if you're not for me, you're what? Against you're against me. So even though you may be doing righteous things for righteous things, but it's not what God wants, you don't view yourself as the enemy, but you are. I am. That's why we are constantly seeking. Roger, have you been seeking what God wants you to do? Yeah. Yeah. He hit you in that forehead with a what? Twice, Twice now. And, and he's like, thank you, sir. Can I have another? Yeah, because are, do you know everything you need to know now? No, right now Roger wants to know. Roger's got to know. He's got big decisions in life. And he's like, God, hit me again. Hit me again because I want to know. I want to know. You're seeking more than you've ever sought before. you got to. But why do the rest of us think we don't got to? I got it. But if you're not for him, you're, and we don't like to hear that. So what happens is, man, here's what happens. The enemy, you know, well, I'm not a Satan worshiper. I'm, I'm a God worshiper. I'm in God's army. Are you doing what God asks you to do? I hope the answer is yes. None of us are perfect, but is that what you seek every moment of every day? Realizing every position he puts you in, every place, every person you're in front of, it's for him and his glory. And, it, and what a privilege it is, Aphrodite, that of all people, he would pick you to be with that person at that time. I've heard your stories. You see it that way. I know. What a privilege that he, the master of the universe, would use you. But what happens is, is when we get our mind off of that mission, and now the mission is me. Now, now I'm, 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 the enemy's the flesh, and I'm fighting on his side because now, you know what? It's all about me. I'm tired of this. I wondered about, you know what? I deserve this. <laughs> Anybody ever been there? Come on, man. Robbie, I just met you, man, but you're a big old dude, man. But have you ever seen <laughs> Yeah. Is he a baby sometimes? Yeah. I've seen his Facebook post, right? Yeah. I'm just messing with you, bro. But listen, man. It, it, so, so if it's all about me, then whose army am I in? Am I in God's or the enemies? The enemies. If it's all about nothing but succeeding in this world system. And even justifying violating God's principles to do it. Oh, Lord, we don't ever do that, do we, Pittsburgh Rob? We don't violate God's principles in order to succeed in business, do we? Or to succeed with a county commission or to succeed in a government or to see. No. Yeah, when we now go that route. 
we're in the enemy's army. And we got this idea, as long as I'm not worshiping Satan, I'm okay. I don't have, I gave, I don't have any pentagram necklaces. I'm good. I didn't, you know, I didn't sacrifice any chick. I'm, I'm good. No. There's three enemies. There's a flesh. There's a world system. And there is Satan. And if you're not for him, you're against him. So the way to be for him is to seek first, seek always, seek only the kingdom of God. And righteousness is doing what he asked you to do. Hey, Seth, are you going to be perfect at it? No, but you're still seeking. And if you're walking away from me, he says, hey, Seth, Seth, Seth. What we do is we repent we come back to him again. And, and we stay in his army there. But what the enemy likes to do by, by making us dissatisfied in our flesh, dissatisfied with this world system and how we're doing in it, and, and dissatisfied in what we don't think God's doing for us or not enough or how it's working out is he isolates us. How many of you ever isolated yourself? How many of you ever get, how many of you ever been a bit discouraged? And what do you do? Who do you want to be around when you're discouraged, Kathy? Nobody. Nobody. Who do you want to see? Nobody. Nobody. Where do you want to go? Nowhere. Nowhere. How about when you're depressed? Seriously, depression's a huge thing right now. It really is. So could Satan not just wouldn't it work if he could just get everybody depressed and discouraged? Well, he can, even believers, if their focus is not on the kingdom of God, if it's on them, if it's on succeeding in this world and getting God to do everything you want him to do like a Santa Claus. If that's it, it ain't going to work out and you're going to be discouraged. You're going to be depressed. Hey, when you're depressed, who do you want to see, Roger? Nobody. Where do you want to go? Nowhere. No, who do you want to talk to? You don't even send out funny little dancing teddy bear emojis when you're depressed. No, and that's not Roger. <laughs> Get on Roger's text list, man. He will awesome. say, I do not even know where you find these emojis. That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah, and, and they look like Roger. <laughs> I see you have this dancing teddy bear now, man. So again, what does the enemy, what is the best thing he can do? And if you seek the flesh, you seek success in this world system, if you seek those things only, I'm not saying we don't try to succeed. I'm, I'm saying we follow God, and that's the best way to succeed. God will have you succeed where he wants you to succeed, in the ways you'll succeed. If you follow God, will you not be the best employee there is? Will you not be a pride, the pride and joy of the company? Yeah, because you're, you're serving God, not the employer. And no matter what, man, you, you please him, he's pleased. He even says in Proverbs, uh, when a man's ways pleases God, even his enemies are at peace with him. Doesn't mean they like you, means they leave you alone. There's a lot of stuff about that, but what the enemy would love to do is get you isolated. And if he can get you isolated, then you join his army. And that's what I want to get you to see today, because we don't view it that way. We just, I just need some me time. <laughs> I'm going to go in my room, and I'm going to curl up, and I'm going to curl. I'm going to get out of a pity party. <laughs> and the only people you can get to come to your pity party is who? Yeah, you or other people that want to be part of a pity party, right? I mean, you can get some other people to be depressed and discouraged over there. But you know who you really need to have in your life? Who do you need to really have your life, Dustin, when you're down, when you're depressed, when you're discouraged, when you don't want to see anybody do anything? Who do you really need to have? <laughs> yeah, people that will help you see life from God's perspective. You need to have him. You need to get back to what the mission really is. And the mission, what did he tell us right before he sent? He said, Go as you're going, as I put you in. Where are you going, Baltimore? Uh, yeah, dude, is there anything good in Baltimore? No, I'm just messing with you. As he'd send you to Baltimore to sell these giant car-cutting scissors. 
That's not to sell giant car cutting surgery. That's a byproduct. The, the reason he's sending you is to help people see life from God's perspective. But in going to Baltimore, you probably got to see life from God's perspective, right? <laughs> Especially when you got a beautiful wife and three beautiful daughters that... Three daughters? No more than that yet. No, I'm just kidding. But, and, and, and how many dogs? Three dogs. And, and a dive trip waiting for all those things, man. you got to see it from God's perspective. And if you understand why God's sending you to Baltimore, you have the time of your life. Because you understand why God's got you there. So isolation is the enemy's army. The way the enemy defeats people and recruits them for his army is by getting you isolated. Getting you away from people who can help you see life from God's perspective. So let's take a look at that. All right, so you're going to know this statement for, for a while, so just read it with me so by the end you won't even have to read it to know it, okay? Since isolation is the enemy's army, find some godly friends to help fulfill your godly purpose. Okay, so find some godly friends to cheer you up and take you out to eat and, and indulge in, on a cruise, man. Is that what that is? No, no, there's nothing wrong with a cruise. As long as on that cruise you're fulfilling your godly purpose, Okay. So find a bunch of friends to cheer you up to go out and do drugs with. All right, make you feel better. You're laughing, but is that not why we do drugs? Yes. That's why I did them. Like, no, I'm just joking. That's why I used to do them. Jesus is my drug right now. He's my drug. I don't. All those other things they didn't last. Jesus does. But we find some godly friends to help us. What? So let's go backwards on this since we're going to see this a lot. Okay. So if we are fulfilling our godly purpose then we're going to be satisfied, right? Hey, Seth, if you're a squirrel, what, what would be the best thing you could get a job doing? Climbing nuts. Yeah, and climbing trees, collecting nuts. And, that's sort of like the job of a pastor sometimes, right? No, I'm just, uh, <laughs> collecting nuts and climbing. Not you guys. We're talking about everybody out there. Right? <laughs> Seriously, man, climbing trees, right? But what if, what if, what if we needed you to teach swimming? <laughs> You know, you teach swimming and you become the swim coach now. Is that admirable? He's a swim coach. There's nothing wrong with being a swim coach. But if you're a squirrel, what would you rather do? Climb trees. Could you teach swimming as a squirrel? Can squirrels swim? Yeah, yeah dude, if they have to. But guess what? Hey, T-Rex, what do you think is going to happen to a squirrel if he's swimming all the time, man? He's going to get worn out because he wasn't built to swim. What would you need to be to be a swimmer? A fish. A fish, yeah. And, and can you imagine if you're fishing, you're trying to climb trees? Maybe a walking catfish might come close, but that's it. And so in this, okay, so we have to fulfill our godly purpose. So let me ask you a question. When you got born again, he said you were created as a brand new creation in Christ. And, and all things old are passed away and all things are new. But what, was, what were you created as? An ambassador. Read the whole verse. We want to say, oh, it's all past. My flesh is gone erroneously. And we don't have any of these. No. What happened is this. You were created now to be an ambassador for Christ. And prior to salvation, you were not an ambassador to Christ. Now you've been created, been created for one job. And that one job is to be an ambassador for Christ. What does an ambassador do, Gary? Yeah, uh, an ambassador, well, in this, uh, an ambassador for a kingdom simply represents the kingdom that he's an ambassador for, right? So if we're an ambassador for Christ, we represent Christ's kingdom, no matter what he's got in our place. Tom, it was a couple Mondays ago, you saw that great white shark, right? So you see one again tomorrow, how can you be an ambassador? No, I'm just saying, <laughs> don't cuss. No, I'm just saying, it's like, no, but literally, to be an ambassador, we represent the kingdom that that has called us to be the ambassador, which is Christ. 
We're an ambassador of Christ. So wherever he puts us, Baltimore, the beach, wherever we're going, you know, some high rise building they're building, wherever it is, we're an ambassador. So we're a squirrel. So we're going to do what? We're going to climb what? We're going to climb trees. Okay, that doesn't mean we don't have to swim across something every once in a while. But the fact is, is that where we're going to find our success, our happiness, where we're going to find our contentment is being what? An ambassador. Yeah. You try to be anything else for Christ as a believer, you're not going to find contentment. You're not going to find satisfaction. You're going to be dissatisfied. And again, your flesh is going to be bummed. And so guess what? Now you're going to isolate yourself because things aren't going the way you want it to go. And you're going to be discouraged, depressed, and all of a sudden now you're in the enemy's army instead of God's. The only way you can be successful in God's army is simply being what he created you to be. And he created you to be a what? What's the A word? Good. I'm glad you said ambassador. <laughs> yeah. Because I know people that are a lot of other things in there. But So first of all, look what he said. Since isolation is the enemy's army, find some godly friends to help you. What? That's what your friends are there for. Not to entertain you. Not to like try to cheer you up. Not Your friends are there. The friends you're looking for are people that are supposed to help you fulfill your purpose in Christ. Because that's the only way you're going to be satisfied. I was a youth pastor for a long time in Orlando at a big church. And I used to tell the kids, man, I'd tell them, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Right? How many are old enough to see that? You lay down with dogs, you get up with? Please. Please. There's no two ways about it. It's what happens. It, you become like the ones you hang out with. And so the godly friends you find, it's not a matter of just finding friends, but they're going to be godly friends. They're going to help you fulfill your godly purpose. Because when you're discouraged, when you're depressed, when you're down, how hard is it for you to be pulled down even farther? Man, you got to especially be careful who you're hanging with at that point. You know? Because you're going to become like the ones you hang out with. So, again, the ones you're trying to find, you've got to be around people. You can't isolate yourself. Since isolation is the enemy's army, we've got to find some godly friends. They're going to help us fulfill our godly purpose. This is what Paul does. Paul now is getting ready to start, I think, the third missionary journey, as best I can tell. He's basically now left um, Athens or whatever, and he's going to probably the most major city in Greece here, Corinth or whatever. All right. And so there's northern Greece, as far as I understand it, and southern Greece. And there's a little if isthmus. How do you say that? Is that the way? Isthmus, isthmus, isthmus. Anyways, what it is, a little tiny strip of land, maybe only four miles wide in some places, that separated two seas and separated these two parts of Greece. And if you decided as a merchant you were not going through that isthmus, isthmus, isthmus. They may know how to say that word, isthmus, isthmus. Is that right? What do you got, Pauline? You say it, and I'll own it, man. Ifmith, yes, ifmith. That just doesn't like roll off my tongue real well, does it, Roger? But if you didn't want to go across that little strip of land, it was a couple hundred mile journey by sea to go all the way around the southern end to get to the other part, where you could have just gone across. That little four mile strip, that little piece of land there, that was Corinth. And so, as you can imagine, Corinth was a, a huge, important piece of everything, and God called Paul. As he's tired, as he's worn out, after every little teeny church he built and left people behind, he started, he got his tail kicked, he got kicked out, he got beat up, got left for dead, all these things, but he kept going for God. And now God says, now I've got, I, I've, I have prepared you your whole life for this, and it's the hardest job yet. Start this church in Corinth. And that's where he's at at this point right now. 
So after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. He found a, all right, so let me ask you a question. When are you most apt uh, physically to be discouraged, to be depressed? When you're tired. Yeah. One of the most spiritual things you can do sometimes is take a nap. Amen, Teresa? With a fishing pole in your hand and a bell to wake you up when a fish bites, right? But, yeah, seriously, when you're tired, when you're worn out, you can get discouraged. That's a low point in your life. You need to get rest. And Paul was tired at this point, man. But God knows when to rest you. He knows when to test you. So after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. So here he is. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, uh, recently come from Italy with his wife, or Rome from his wife Priscilla because Claudius, the emperor, had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see him. So first off, what Paul did when he was tired, when he was worn out, is he found some other folks. He didn't go do it alone. Rob, you sit up in your condo, man, all by yourself. What does that do for you, bro? I don't. Yeah, you don't. Exactly. Because what would it do for you if you did it? Nothing. You would become, yeah, it would be so easy to defeat you and all of that. You've got to go out and get something done. I admire you how you went through that shoulder surgery. That was probably tough, right? You know, because everything you do is physical and you couldn't do that. So Paul, first thing he did when he got there is he found some folks. How did he find um, Priscilla and Aquila? They were Jews from Rome, but the emperor had kicked them out. And so there they were now in Corinth doing a business. We're going to see he was, they were tent makers. And so how do you think he would have found them? Yeah, God. And, 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 but here's the thing. Let me, let, sometimes we move to a new community. We come here like, well, I've got to find a bunch of believers. I've got to find some people that, that are going to be like me. I've got to find, I, I, where can I find them? You know how Paul found believers? How did Paul find believers? He made them. I'm just like, he didn't make them, but he shared the, there's nobody. The whole kind of place he comes is lost. <laughs> where, man, I just got to be like all of those people because no, there's no saved people here. That's me. You know what he did? He starts sharing the gospel. You understand that? You complain there's no believers that were, why do you think God has you there? There's no believers in my condo. Why do you think God has you there? There's no believers in my school. Why do you think God has you there? Do you understand? That's what Paul did. It wasn't like, oh, there's nobody. There's no synagogue. There's nobody. He found these two people, and quite possibly they weren't even believers until he shared the gospel. They were Jews. They were prominent Jews. They ended up being his best friends. You read this all through scripture of how they served and they helped. They were the first two people he found. But chances are the way he found them was by doing what? Sharing the gospel with them. Have you ever led somebody to Christ and they become a really good friend? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? That's the principle. But when our print, but when our mindset is, well, I just got to go find a ready-made set of believers. I got to go find a bunch of people that already are on fire. I got to go find that, dude. That's not making disciples. You know what? That that that's that's not his plan. So he found Jews named Quilla, a native of Pontus, and they think she was the money lady, and uh, or I'm sorry, he was the, the the tent maker guy, and his wife Priscilla was the money lady. And basically, they'd been kicked out of Rome because that was what was happening. All the Jews were being kicked out. And so he went to go see these guys, whether he met them before, whether he led them to Christ, whatever. But um, what he did was he started partnering with them. Look what it says. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. So there they were. We go into all of that. But the point is, is that he found some people who now believe, whether they did before or not, he found some people that believed the way he did who could help do you think by himself he would have been as successful as he would have been at, at, with, with these folks? 
Do you think Paul would have been successful by himself? No. What makes us think we're going to be? You've got to find other believers to help you see life from God's perspective. Other believers, God puts different resources in, in place. What, do you call us? what does he call us in Scripture? Paul refers to it a lot of times. We're a, we're a what? We're a body, right? Not everybody's an eye. Not everybody's a mouth. Not everybody's an ear. Not everybody's a colon. <laughs> how many of y'all want to be the colon? I'm just saying, dude, how many of y'all don't want a colon? I'm just saying. It's like we all got to be something in the body of Christ. You know, and it, but it takes the whole body to make it all work. And so Paul went out and he found people. So they were the same traits and all of a sudden he's making tents with these folks and they've got a little business going temporarily and it's cutting in. He's bivocational, it's cutting into the ministry, but yet he's being encouraged and it's what God, maybe he's discipling them while he's making tents with them. That every day on the Sabbath, he tried to persuade the Jews and the Greeks. All right, so again, uh, since isolation is the enemy's army, what, what do we need to do? And how do we find some godly friends? Do we jump from church to church to church to find godly friends? That maybe we can spend our whole life doing that. Maybe we go share the gospel. And maybe your best friend is lost right now. For you single folks, maybe your husband or wife is lost right now. That's what my wife used to sit and cry to the pastor's wife. Where is this guy? And she said, he's probably in the bar across the street. He's probably in some bar getting drunk. And guess where he was? In the bar getting drunk. In the bar getting drunk. And it wasn't until I got born again and got on fire. And then we changed that story. And it was like, yeah, that's exactly where I was. She must have had the gift of prophecy. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. But we're so busy trying to find other believers, other Christians, and find the right group. And that is important. We have to be around godly people. But some of the godly people we're supposed to be around aren't godly yet. And all we're doing is trying to find the right cruise ship line. Like Roger was thinking when you went on that cruise ship. He's like, oh, he didn't go on the right line. He didn't go on the right cruise. He didn't go to the right line. I could hook him up with the best one that's going to be better, that he'll like better. And that's what we do at churches. But the fact is, man, there's a lost world out there. How many of y'all know have somebody you love dearly that, that got saved and you love them even more? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Dude, that's out there right now. And that's why our one mission is to be that rescue ship, not the cruise ship in this. So we find some godly friends that help fulfill our godly purpose. We go out and we share the gospel. We then disciple people. And as we're discipling people, guess what? They either stick with us or they leave. But we stay firm in what we're doing. And we stay firm. There's going to be some that stick. And they're going to be some of the best friends we've ever had to help us see life from God's perspective. So look what happens now. So he's got Aquila and Priscilla. He's making tents. But he's like, oh, man, I wish I had some money so I didn't have to do this and I could spend more time in the ministry. Well, guess what? Look what happens. Silas and Timothy arrive. Hey, where'd they come from? Macedonia. Macedonia. You guys are good readers. Uh, they arrived from Macedonia. Paul was occupied with the word testifying to the Jews uh, <coughs> that Christ was Jesus. Well, does anybody know what Silas and Timothy brought him from Macedonia? <coughs> Money. From Philippi, from Thessalonica. They brought him funds from these other churches that he had planted that were being persecuted. And they brought him funds so now he could totally focus on the ministry. So, did God use other people to help him succeed? Absolutely. He used them to help him to succeed when he didn't have a job. Use them, uh, by giving them a job and discipling each other. Now he's brought Silas and Timothy. Look at the friends he's bringing into, their, into the, each other's lives here. 
And now this was a timely one that would bring money so, so Paul could now focus on the ministry. And what was he doing? He, was he building a cruise ship there, Zane? No, what was he doing? He testified to the Jews that what? He preached the same thing all the time. <laughs> he, that Christ was Jesus. Jesus was Christ. This is the Messiah you've been waiting for. Surrender your life to him because he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. There's no other one, no other way to have your sins taken away. And so there he goes. He preached on it again. And when they opposed, so these are the people that he's preaching to. It wasn't about whether they accepted or not. It was about him doing the right thing. When they opposed and reviled him, he shook his garments and said to them, this is to the Jews he's preaching to, he took his garments and shook them, and your blood be on your own heads. In other words, I've given you the gospel, you've rejected it, and you're going to answer for it one day. I've done what I'm supposed to do. I am innocent. From now on, I'm going to the Gentiles. And he did that because God told him to do. And I can show you in scripture what it is. But we're going to see what happens next. So he's preaching to them. And all of a sudden, God's moving him. So what does Paul do? All of a sudden, what he's doing isn't working. So does he quit and get disgusted and get depressed and get discouraged and say, I'm done? Almost. He gets almost to that point. But no. He keeps looking at what God wants to do. So since isolation is the enemy's army, find some what? To what? Because if you don't find godly friends to help you fulfill your purpose, you're going to find some friends, aren't you? Yeah. Unless you just get totally depressed and discouraged. And, and honestly, I'm not joking about this, but you know how high suicide is. You know what suicide is, is when you lose all hope. Because you can't figure out any more hope in your own head. And there must be no hope because I can't figure it out. And so I'm going to end it. Or at least give it a shot. Or I'm going to go find some other friends with new likes, new interests. We're going to take up some new hobbies. Now we're going to be master. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with hobbies again. I got more than anybody. <laughs> I don't have room for any more hobbies. But guess what every hobby is for? What's every hobby for, Zane? It creates um, opportunities. Opportunities. For if, if, dude, if, if I like doing it, there's other people who are going to like doing it. And, dude, we can help each other see life through God's perspective from God's perspective by doing it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> if you want to go fishing, man, God isn't really calling you to be that cruise ship pastor. <laughs> Maybe you're supposed to be a fishing pastor. I don't know. Start taking people out. But we got to find godly friends that are going to help us fulfill our godly purpose. So guess what happens? He, he now leaves, okay, um, the Jews. He said, I'm done with you guys. You're done. I've done what I'm supposed to do. Now what do I do, God? So where does he go? Check this out. He left there and went to the house of a man named Titus Justus, who we know later, if it's the same guy we're thinking, helped him immensely in the ministry later. And this guy was a worshiper of God. Don't know if he was a believer yet, but I have a feeling he was by the time Paul was done with him. But where was this guy? How far did Paul move? His house was what? Yeah. So check this out. Paul leaves the synagogue and said, I'm done preaching to you Jews. You know what? You don't want to listen to it. All you want to do is argue. I'm moving over to some new me. Some new people right here that are going to listen. Some new people that haven't heard it, and they're going to accept it. Or not. But it's right next door. So as he's preaching right next door, Emily, who was hearing him? The synagogue. The synagogue was hearing him. But he made another friend, Titus Justice. You notice Paul's not doing any of this stuff alone. Alone is dangerous. Alone is dangerous. And he's alone. He's not alone. He finds another guy, Titus Justice, okay? And he starts trying to disciple him. What's he doing with Titus Justice? Well, hey, what do you like doing? Where do you like going out to? What do you... no, he's talking. He's sharing the gospel with him. 
Maybe while they are eating a meal or playing golf or doing something. I don't know. But his house was right next door to the synagogue. So what do you think happens next? What do you think happens next in the story? Oh, you, some of y'all read ahead, didn't you? All right, so again, all right, I want you to remember this. Since isolation is the enemy's army, what? We have to do what? To do what? Yeah, you've got to find godly friends to help you fulfill your godly purpose. Don't miss either one of those things. So guess what happens next? The dude who kicked him out of kind of the, 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 the synagogue, who was arguing with all the time, his name was Crispus. He was the ruler of the synagogue. Look what he did. Read me that next part. He did what? Yeah. So as he's preaching to justice in this new congregation, the new church right next door to the synagogue, and he's preaching the gospel, guess who was hearing it? Crispus was hearing it. And Crispus was like, all right, I don't want to argue. I miss you. Dude, I'm giving my life to Christ. And Crispus now, the leader of the synagogue, gave his life to Christ also. And who else did that with him? His entire household. You see that a lot in the book of Acts. You see that a lot. Man, the decisions you make for Christ have effects on a lot of people. And it may not be exactly this, but how you live your life is the, is the message that you're preaching to everyone around you. And it may take years for them to actually get it. Right, Charlotte? Since your mom and dad sitting right there. Did y'all pray for her, Annie? Did she go straight off in any way? She's already told us her testimony. I'm not going to be drinking confidence, all right? But, yeah, did she stray off? And, and did you say, all right, fine, I'm done. No. You prayed. Praying mamas, praying mamas don't give up, right? Can you tell them that? Don't give up. <laughs> you keep praying, man. You keep praying. And, 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 and you heard everything that your mom ever told you came back, didn't it? Yeah, it comes back. It's not a waste of time, not a waste of energy. So Crispus, ruler of synagogue, believe in the Lord, together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. So again, is Paul doing life alone now? Who did he start with when he got to Corinth? This big old gigantic, 200,000 uh, people that counted. So it was probably more like seven, 800,000 because they didn't count slaves or menial people. But so when he got to this gigantic city, Bonnie, how many people did he have with him? Just himself. That was it. But he knew he couldn't exist that way, especially being tired, being worn out, wanting to quit, because that is where Paul was at this point in his ministry. He was done. He was tired. Everywhere he went, he got beat up. Wouldn't that take its toll on you? You know? But following Christ, what did Paul say? For me to live is Christ. To die is better. <laughs> it's not about this life. It's not. That it flesh is my enemy. This world system's my enemy. And Satan's my enemy. And I am not on his, in his army. I am in God's army. And my one focus to seek what I'm seeking in life is I'm seeking him. So look what happens now, man. He's got... The leader of the synagogue now being a believer. He's got, he's got uh, the, the lost guy that was next to him in the house next door. He's a believer. His whole family's a believer. People are about, so did he go find a ready-made place? Did he go and he said, there's my ready-made? No. How did he make friends? By sharing the gospel. Well, I don't have any. How many of y'all would like to have Christian friends? How many of y'all would like to have some Christian friends that you can, like, pray with? And you can, you can talk about godly things with? Well, I'm going to tell you this. If you will go and share the gospel with people, they will either like it or they won't. How many of y'all know that? <laughs> there will people that will be, yes, where do I sign on the dotted line? I've been waiting for this. The Holy Spirit has prepared their heart, and they are waiting. 
And they jump on board, and guess what? You got a what? You got, what do you have now? A friend. But if they don't want it, what do you got now? Hopefully not an enemy, but you don't have a friend. <laughs> because they'll be like seeing you coming, they'll be like, oh, yeah, okay. We're going to go a different aisle at Publix now, you know? It's a very divis divisive thing. But you want Christian friends, go start talking about it. Go start sharing the gospel and see where it lands. How many of y'all got saved because somebody shared the gospel with you? God gave you the desire, but how many of y'all had somebody share the gospel with you and that's how you got saved? That's how you heard it? Yeah. 86% of you at least. <laughs> Statistics say. So man, you want Christian friends, go, go make them. I mean, you can't save them, but you know what I'm talking about. Go talk to people. And if that's what they know that you talk about, what you do, they know where you stand. And you know what? There might even be a time where right now they fight you and reject you, but there might come a time in their life where they need somebody bigger than them. And guess who they're going to come talk to then? You. You know who they're not going to talk to? That hypocrite. The one who's scared to talk to them. The one who's like, oh, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want, you know. We've got it backwards. When our only mission he didn't call us to go be buttheads. And yes, I said that in church. <laughs> he didn't call us to be jerks and beat people over the head with the Bible. He called us to love people. And people either accept it or reject it. Is it up to you whether they accept it or reject it? No. And, and, and again, if they're not in a position to accept it, then you know what? Share it with, with them when God tells you to. It's got to be a work of the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean we stop sharing. We keep sharing what he's done for us. Somebody asked me that. They texted me the other day and they said, how do I share the gospel um, and not be obnoxious? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm not sure I'm the expert on that. <laughs> but I said, what I believe is, I believe what we're called to do is we're supposed to see life from God's perspective. In other words, I am so seeking God's perspective on everything in my life. I really got, I don't have much else to talk about. And, and as I'm seeking life from God's perspective and then somebody else comes in my life, you know what? I'm just going to be able to share with them what he's done for me. That's what a witness does is testifies as to what they know, right? Not be a lawyer. He didn't call us to be lawyers. He calls us to be witnesses. But if he's not doing anything in your life, you've got nothing to share. But if he is and you're seeing it that way, you simply share when it comes up in conversation and they determine it's your turn to talk. <laughs> okay, well, here's what I got. I got some God stuff. You know, otherwise they might not let you talk, but they might. And you share that, and you know what? They may even ask questions, and then you get to help them see life from God's perspective. You got a lot better chance of having Christian friends that way. There's a lot of people looking for Christian friends. Emily, you looking for Christian friends? Yeah, you're new to town, man. <laughs> She's starting a Bible study, by the way. Yeah, uh, so if you're interested, see her afterwards, all right? So here it is, man. A bunch of people in Corinth, they got baptized, and they believed. So since isolation's enemy's army... Find some godly friends to what? Help That's it. Are y'all getting tired of that saying yet? Yes. I wanted you to. Okay. So one more. One more. Okay. Let's say that you're going through a period of time where you're trying to share the gospel. You're trying to talk to people about Christ. You're having a hard time seeing life from God's perspective. Who's the friend that sticks closer than a brother that you can always count on? It's Christ. Roger, are there some times, especially going through what you've been going through, what you're going through right now, where, dude, you just need Jesus to talk, man. You need him to hit you in the forehead with a... Yes. Yeah. Look what happened, man. God knew where Paul was at. 
He knew where he was at. He knew he was tired. Paul was ready to quit, man. He was tired. But he kept going and doing. When you don't know what to do, what do you do, Karen? You do what you know to do. You just keep doing it. And you go through seasons in life, man, and not everything's great. There's ups and downs, but it's about being consistent and serving him for the short period of time that we have from the time we're born again to the time he brings us home. Look at verse 9, and we're almost done. The Lord said to Paul one night in a vision. So who's now speaking to Paul? <laughs> yeah, Jesus said, hey, hey, friend. <laughs> and look what he says. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Um, yeah, because Paul, so if he says, don't be afraid, what was Paul? Doesn't that give you confidence that Paul was afraid? Paul, the guy who trusted God more than anything, you know, he's terrified. He doesn't know what's next. He's, he, he's scared of what's next. Doesn't it give you comfort to know Paul was afraid? And if Paul's afraid, is it okay for us to be afraid? Right. But look who spoke to him. God came to him. Jesus came to him and said, don't be afraid. But go on speaking and don't be silent. In other words, follow me regardless of your perceived consequences. What you think is going to happen, what you don't think is going to happen, just keep being obedient to me because if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all the things you need will be added unto you. He said, don't be afraid. Go on speaking. Don't be silent. And why? Because what? What's the next verse say? For what? What more do you need? Let me ask you a question. If you had Jesus right next to you, physically right next to you, would you have a problem introducing you to him to people at the restaurant today? Would you have a problem? Like you'd probably he'd be sitting in the passenger seat with the Jeep with the all you guys with convertibles, man. You'd be like using your convertible and you'd be like, hey, stop like this is Jesus. <laughs> How many of y'all would be doing that? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if he was physically right there, hey, this is Jesus. Hey Jesus, what do you do? We turn right, turn left, what do you want? He's like, dude, I don't care, just go. You're like, okay, you know, I just want to make sure I'm doing what you want me to do. I mean, if we had him physically right there, will we have any problem like talking to him, introducing him? Making him the priority of our life? No. But think about this. Where does he live? In us. In us. <laughs> 100%, man. we got to understand that. He said it was better for him to live in us in the form of a spirit than physically. So is he with you, Sharla? Yes. Yeah, so you don't have to be what? No, I have to be afraid. If, if you had Jesus physically next to you, Katie, would you ever be afraid? Are you ever afraid now? Because he's tangible when he's right next to us. This ain't real tangible. I can't hold on to it. But that's why I have to crucify the flesh so I can experience him spiritually. Because that's what life is now, is spiritual. And we don't have to be afraid. Because he's there. And how long is he there for? Does he ever take a break? Does he clock out and put a new Jesus in you? <laughs> you know, lunch break? No, dude, he's there forever. We don't have to be afraid. He said, man... I'm with you. If that, there's no other encouragement you get, he's with you. And he says, no one for now, because he gets attacked later, <laughs> but that's part of God's plan. He said, no one will attack you to harm you. And look what he says, for I have many in this city who are my people. They just don't know it yet. You know what that means? Hey, how many of y'all believe there's many in your city that still, that, that are God's people that just don't know it yet? So boy, I can't wait for all those other people to go tell them about Jesus. That should encourage us to know there's tons of people out there that are God's people that don't know him yet. It should motivate us to go, to go talk to people about that. What did he tell us in the Great Commission? We talked about it before. He starts off by saying, all authority 
in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, because of that, go. I'm giving you an order. Go. As you're going, make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In case you forgot what disciple making is, teach them to observe all things I've taught you. And what did he say at the end of that? And lo, I am with you always. It's like the gospel burger, dude. How many of y'all like a good hamburger? How many of y'all are getting hungry right now? I'm almost done. Yeah. I see you got a hungry look on your face, Terry. I know what that looks like, man. And so you got this big, giant burger, man. You got the burger, the lettuce, tomato, the onions, the pickles, the mustard, the mayo, all of that stuff. But, but hey, T-Rex, T-Rex, right? What do, you, what do you need to be able to hit? What do you order that they just give you? The waitress brings it on a spatula and puts it in your hand. What are you missing? You're, no, you're missing a bun, right? What do they hand you on the burger, the lettuce, tomato, all that stuff? Man, cheese, melted cheese, you got everything, but they don't give you the bun. That's like the gospel. Is all that stuff. You know what the buns are for the gospel? The fact that he says, I have all authority. That's the bottom bun that it all rests on. So what I'm telling you to do is, is legit. The top bun is I'm with you. So because he's given us authority and because he is always with us, we can handle the gospel. But you don't realize that he's with you and that he's given you authority, dude. Man, you can't handle it any better than you can handle a burger with no buns. That's the gospel burger for you. Can you tell I'm starting to think about some food right now? That's about usually when I quit, right, Terry? <laughs> no, we're gonna, we got one more verse after this, but he said, man, I'm with you. And I'm promising you right here, right now, I can't tell you next week, Paul. Paul, you're going to get your, your tail kicked next week. You're going to get bit by a snake and all these other things. He didn't tell us all of that. He just said for right now, dude, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take this next step. I want you to go. Um, no one's going to attack you. Because I got a bunch of people in this city that are mine. They just don't know it yet. And I want you and the people that you are talking to to go reach them. That's what I want you to do. And so what did Paul do? Yeah, but you know how long Paul stayed before? Paul would go for a few weeks, set things up, and God would say, move. Go for a few weeks, stay, set things up. And these were thriving churches. God would put people in the place to take over and do things. Paul would go back and encourage or send people to encourage. Paul would keep going. But look what he did this time. He stayed for how long? A year and six months. Because God had a big job for him right here. And what was he doing the whole time? He was teaching the word of God among them. He wasn't building a beautiful aquarium so all the fish could jump in the aquarium. And maybe there were a bunch of, a bunch of, of, of fish in this one aquarium at this one church that everybody went to. And they're like, you know, we're supposed to have a church, so let's build a better aquarium over here. And let's get newer bubble machines and let's get let's get 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 newer uh, prettier gravel so these fish will jump from that aquarium into this aquarium and these fish will jump and, and everybody was just building aquarium that's not how they did it they were going and they were finding new fish that weren't in an aquarium and they were that he was he was just simply teaching the word of God and when you teach the word of God you help people see life from God's perspective so you've seen this before so since isolation is the enemy's army and the enemy who's the enemy we got Satan, right? Who else is the enemy? Flesh. Our flesh. Yeah. And this world system. Understand those three enemies. Because the devil would love you to believe he's the only enemy. And you're your biggest enemy sometimes. You all know that. So again, since, since, since your flesh, the world system, and Satan would love nothing more than to isolate you and keep you out away from people who would help you see life from God's perspective, we've got to find godly people. We have to find godly friends. How do we find godly friends? Vicki, how do we find godly friends? Be a friend. 
be a friend, yeah. You know, anybody you come in contact with, you do need to go come and find a church. You need a place. And, and again, like we tell you, if we don't scare you off, welcome to the family. And I know we scared some folks off today. So I'm just <laughs> We usually go way longer than this. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm trying. No. I only want you coming back if this is where you're supposed to be, man. No, but, but listen, man, we, we got to find a church. We find fellowship. But we form a fellowship where we've got people that are all trying to help each other see life from God's perspective. We find some godly friends. We can find friends by going out and talking to those people that are around us. But we need to find friends that are going to help us do what, Sam? Do we just go find friends anywhere? Do we find friends to do anything? Do we just jump in any group to go whichever way our friends want us to go? What, is, what, what do our friends need to make us do, Sam, or help us do? What's your godly purpose? Yeah. Make disciples. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, bro. That's it. Because when you see life from God's perspective, you can't help but help others see life from God's perspective. So, a little different. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. And Father, I just, you just weighed so heavy on my heart. I, I, I don't know who it is. I don't know anybody specific. I don't know... I don't need to know anything. It might just be for me and somebody I'm getting ready to be in contact with or, or for one of us that are going to be in contact. Father, I just know we live in a lonely world. Father, we talk about this zombie apocalypse, man, where it ain't just the kids. It's us as adults. We, as soon as we can, we jump on our phones and we're in our own little phone world. And, and man, sometimes now when we talk to people in person, they think we're flirting with them, Father. We live in such an awkward world where there's so little interaction among people. Father, I pray that that would be different among us as believers. I pray, Father, that you would help us see our life from your perspective so we can help others. And we know that you are love. Love's not giving people what they want. It's giving them what they need. And you're the only one who can determine that. So, Father, I just pray that you through our relationship with you, would help us to love others and give them what they need. Father, I pray that we can make some new friends with the gospel this week. Father, I pray that you would lead somebody to lead somebody to Christ today that would become their best friend. That would be so awesome. Because, Father, that's how it happens. So, Father, um, I do pray that if there's somebody that's isolating themselves, that's what you really put on my heart for this message. You broke my heart. I've shed tears over this. I don't know who it is, and I don't, I don't know. It might even be somebody I know, but there's somebody that needs to hear this. They're isolating themselves. They're withdrawing. They're pulling back, and that's not the direction to go. Father, I pray that you'd have somebody reach out and love them that would represent you and love them in a way where they would know it's your love, and they'd be blown away by that. Father, I, I pray that they would not be discouraged, they would not be depressed, but when they see life from your perspective, the one who knows everything, the one who can do anything, and the one that's everywhere, that they desire to seek you and seek your righteousness, to seek what you want to do, they would have the confidence to know that everything they need would be added to them. So, Father, um, I pray especially you would rescue that person. That's who I felt called to preach to today. But Father, I know that through this, you, you have spoken to many different people. 
He brought up other things. So as Seth prayed for before this message, that you would speak to each heart and each person here would know that they've heard from you, not me, but they've heard from you. And you would give them the confidence to know that they can trust you. If there's someone here that needs to give their life to Christ, give them a desire. They can't refuse to do that. Someone needs to make that decision to just simply follow you. Give them this, the, the grace to make that decision. Father, um, whatever it is you're telling us to do, like Zane said during the praise jar, Father, give us a motivation, a desire we can't refuse to do it. And I um, just can't wait to see what you're going to do through it. So, Father, don't let the, our enemies isolate us. But, Father, I pray that we would be drawn closer to each other, fall more in love with each other because we fall more in love with you. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.